and Steve Talk Stuff, where an artist and an economist walk into a podcast to talk about strange things that make the world go round. Uh, the artist in question is me, Anne Blake, and the economist in question is a one certain Mr. Stephen Kinsella, or should I say, Professor Stephen Kinsella, if we were to give him his proper title. Uh, he has many. How are you, Stephen? I'm great. I'm great, Anne. It's it's great to talk to you again. Um, it's always fun uh, to catch up. The sun is shining. Woo! Spring has sprung. Daffodils mm. are everywhere. It's gorgeous outside. Um, yeah, we we don't know ourselves for all the sunshine and the vitamin D, E, whatever vitamin is produced by sunlight, mm-hmm. uh, flashing around in the blood cells. It feels fantastic. But yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm in good form, and uh, uh, I hope you are too. Yes, yes. Uh, it's um, it's kind of weather that sometimes that I remember my wife Jenny saying to me, it's a nice day. And I said, yes, it is. Sometimes uh, <laughs> it's that kind of spring weather where it can be beautiful and then stormy. But today we're looking at a good one and um, and it's and it's wonderful and it's welcome. And let's face it, we do like to talk about the weather. I, I remember a friend of mine telling me she lived in California for a while and she'd be going into work every day god it's a lovely day out and the americans are like why why do you talk about the weather all the time because she was just amazed that it was sunny and she realized what they talked about was traffic because that that was the variable that was the thing that couldn't be predicted whereas what we talk about all the time is is the weather but i just love the idea of being in california rocking into work everything going god it's a lovely day (laughs) still hot and sunny (laughs) yes steve still hot and sunny yeah yeah still hot and sunny um so today this is march 2023 in case you're you're wondering and you're listening to this in, in the far distant future and as i said we talk about different different things from the eurovision to migration economics and you know the eurovision is coming up again but it's not today's subject not today's subject but, I, just can't, uh, I can't wait just can't wait it's gonna be amazing okay. we're gonna have everything to hold- it's geopolitics. It's it's. I'm just, I'm, we're not going to talk. We're not going to talk about the. Not sad. not today because I think it deserves it deserves its yeah. own its own episode. But yeah, we every every time we come to meet, we we talk about different things that that might arise or what we're going to talk about. And um, Stephen, you tend to be the expert on stuff in general. Are are the research type person and i'm the anecdotal experience every day artsy fartsy element to the show and 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 the charm let's face it Um, (laughs) you don't don't come to an economist looking for charm it's a mistake (laughs) you're gonna have a bad experience yeah yeah so so like one of our earliest episodes we talked about the the gender pay gap, mm-hmm. and today we were lo- going to look at something similar, um, which is the pink tax. Which, if you haven't heard of that, well, lucky you. But if you haven't heard of it, it's basically this this um, fa- fact that a lot of products that are geared towards women, or a lot of services that are geared towards women, um, are at a slightly higher price than something similar geared towards men. That's the breakdown of it. Would you have a more detailed version of that? Yeah, I, I guess the, the main thing is that 
uh, or the best way to think about it is that there's a price difference between male and female shoppers for for basic consumer items. Mm-hmm. You know, things like um, uh, you know things like um, uh, ingredients or textiles or you know all, all that kind of stuff. So uh, um, and it's it's fairly egregious. So you're talking about two people who are, you know, in, in, in an instance where you had two clones, one is Stephen, one is Stephanie, one male, one female. Um, uh, it's typically the case that for identical consumer products, for example, razors, this is this is the one of the most egregious examples, actually, but for identical consumer products, um, uh, uh, a, a huge study in New York City, um, a couple of years ago, found that um, uh, there was a seven percent difference between the identical product, but just the one um, uh, marketed at women versus marketed at men. And it really, it really is interesting. So, the seven percent more for toys and accessories, four percent more for children's clothing, eight percent more for adult clothing, thirteen percent more for personal care products, and eight percent more for senior or home health care products. Um, so they they they, uh, um, they, um, they that's on average. But the, in the most extreme example, um, they found that women's products cost forty two percent more, um, which is a kind of a, a really extraordinary when you think about it. Like, you know. Um, well, it's uh, fair enough. Is, it's fair enough because yeah. we we have all the power and the money and the best jobs. So I mean, we should be paying. Forty-two percent more for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, so it is really, it is really interesting. The um, way to think about all of this, the way to think about all of this, is that these products are designed sometimes with an inbuilt lock-in, and so the economists talk about the theory of elasticity. So that's the responsiveness to a change in price. So if you have two identical pencils apart from the color, one blue pencil, one red pencil, and you triple the price of the blue pencil, right? Um, You're just going to switch over immediately to the red pencil. It's nothing to you to change, right? Mm -hmm. So you're very responsive to the change in price. Your your behavior just changes. The demand for one quantity falls very rapidly. The demand for the quantity rises really rapidly. And that's just how it works, right? Or like, you know, um, one brand of egg versus another brand of egg. Like, no one cares what brand of egg it is. Just uh, you triple the price of one, people are just going to buy the, the other egg. It's not the same for something like insulin, right? Obviously, obviously, if you have to buy insulin, it, they can do whatever they want to the price and you have to buy it. Um, similarly, with many other products, you know, uh, we typically use insulin and uh, uh, petrol. As in the exam in, in the textbook examples, but we could also use uh, feminine hygiene products because you don't really have much of a choice. There is a there, there there's a bit of a market out there, but the variety is not that large. I'm not an expert in this area, but but you, ha- you when you need to use it, you absolutely have to use it, right? Um, and there's a whole bunch of, of different things like that. And you you will also find that because women live longer than men, elder care products that are marketed at women tend to be more expensive, which is weird. You would imagine there, because the, there's more people demanding the product, the more older people demanding the product, adult, adult diapers, for example, and they're demanding these products, you would imagine the price for men would be higher 
because there's fewer men at the upper echelons of the age distribution because they just happen to be all dead. Um, and then uh, there's fewer, there's more women at the upper. Economics is a weird, it's a weird science, folks. It's a weird science, but but it, but 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 uh, there's more women at the top of the age distribution. So you'd imagine that women's products would be less expensive than men's because they are they're producing more of them. It is not the case. And um, what is really interesting. Um, about this is when I was researching about this pink tax, I went back to look at the history of automobiles. Okay. Uh, in the 1950s, there was an absolutely amazing car and it was marketed at women, right? So, so at this point, up to this point, there was only one kind of person who bought a car, right? It was a man. Right. There was there was only one kind of and cars were blocky. They were they were not sexy, right? They were just these things that got you from A to B. And they were great. They were status symbols. They were power objects. They were items of consumer um consumer devotion. People wanted a motor car. What they were crappy technology. They were really bad for the environment. Nobody cared about that in the nineteen fifties, in fairness, but they were. And um <laughs> uh, fundamentally they were designed to be marketed to the people who had the money, which was men. In the nineteen fifties, a, for the first time ever, there was a class of women who had like jobs, uh, or, or they were, or they were households that were so wealthy they could afford a second car. In both cases, they decided we're gonna make uh, cars for women. Who's the they there? All male engineers, right? Mm. So they have this car, and it's amazing. It's actually amazing. It's a car that was designed um, as Cadillac, and it's a car, and it's designed. Um, for women, so it's got like a lipstick holder. Obviously, it's 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 hot pink. It's got a a, a, a thing for your cigarettes. It's got special um, accelerator to court the only he the only heel you're wearing is a high heel, and so forth. <laughs> it's a it's it's a com it's it's comedic. It's absolutely comedic, and it failed on its ass. Right, it failed on its ass. Not because of all these frankly abysmal things, but because they put a really, really, really low powered engine into the car because of course the women couldn't drive <laughs> a car with a proper decent engine into it. And then these cars are not like the cars that we have today, where a 1.6 liter engine is a 1.6 liter engine in pretty much every car. This mm. is like they built the engine bespoke to the car, to the chassis, right? So mm. you had a totally underpowered engine driving this huge, big, fat metal thing. Um, and uh, on the surfacing with all the kind of like, uh, you know, uh, candy, candied, um, kind of almost like shellac pink, right? So anything nicked to things. So as a consumer product, it was objectively crap. It was a car that didn't go fast. Nobody wants to buy a car. I don't care what gender you are. Nobody wants to buy a car that doesn't go fast. You know, um, <laughs> it, it was just... It was like who? Who wants to buy a slow car? No one, right? Um, <laughs> and and all the, the 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 stuff. It was it was it was it was atrocious. I, I'm blanking on the name of it, um, but I will find it um, um, because uh, uh, when you when you see it, it is just yeah, it is just hilarious, you know, absolutely hilarious. So the pink the pink tax, uh, not the pink pad, sorry. Pink tax is it does exist and it exists particularly where there's very 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 little chance that um, there's very little chance that the um, that the that there's going to be an alternative found. Okay, wrong. Oh. Yeah, it's just wrong. Well, it. Uh, what I find interesting about about this, I mean, interesting is a, is a kind of a me looking to be find it. Oh, how curious of you! Rather than the obvious, re, you know, reaction is to be 
annoyed. Um, this idea of of marketing something to like a car to um, a, not even a body type, but a a, a stereotype. You know, um, what what is really bizarre is, and I'm 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 not sure if you're following this, but there has never been a female crash test dummy. So yes, there is a small man dummy so it's a slightly smaller uh like the crash test dummy you know this is kind of the it's what's putting a car to test that you know it's it's a certain shape it's a certain weight and this isn't news like uh, there has never been a female equivalent and there's been a lot like injuries are a lot higher in car accidents because seatbelts don't work properly on women they don't catch them properly at their hips um it, there's, there's a lot of studies on this. There's a lot of, of actual real-life um, examples. There is a woman who was who was on a, a a study that she was in the back seat of the car and her son and, and husband were in the front seat of a head-on collision and they, they survived and she almost died because the seatbelt went up, halfway up her her belly and and... You know, so all the impact was in her internal organs, and she, she you know what I mean. So she was saved, thankfully, because of she got to the hospital on time. But she was in the back seat of a head-on collision, and her her son and husband, um, you know, were, were, the seatbelts worked, and they they survived. And I think it's funny because we there was a thing a number of years ago of trying to market a pen, like a female pen. Like a pen, you know, like for women. Okay. <laughs> Pens, like the, the things you write with, which are pretty much the same in any hand. Um, well, any working hand, you know, to market a pen for women. Um, and this idea of marketing a car, a crap, you know, a, just a, a car for a woman, like for a stereotype. But mm-hmm. when it comes to actual safety and it comes to actual important building of things to suit a body type that saves lives or, or, you know, reduces injury. Obviously, there's no marketing in that. There's nothing sexy about (laughs) be safer in your car. Therefore, it's not prioritized because they're not, the studies aren't, the women and the shape of women, even though we are 51% of the population and there is no man who drives my car, um, not in some principal way, just it's just the reality. The car being like, why are you driving my car? <laughs> exactly. I think um, this is called theft. <laughs> exactly. Please, please the vehicle. So when it's not marketing, when it's actual uh, necessity, mm-hmm. it just doesn't get. Pri- it hasn't been prioritized, and I just think that that's that's fascinating. I think yeah. an interesting thing around the feminine hygiene products because that is so recent. It's so so recent that the luxury tax got removed from feminine hygiene product, a luxury tax. And I can guarantee you, gents everywhere, uh, if women treated feminine products like a luxury, <laughs> your lives would be very different and you, you know, it would affect everyone if we decided not to bother and treat it like a luxury. Oh, I don't think I can afford that this month. And, and I mean, and something that was identified in all this was things, they called it period, po- period poverty where... Yeah. Uh, young girls mightn't go to school for a week because they couldn't afford the products, but they also couldn't go to school because um, in case anyone doesn't know, uh, you can't control this stuff. You can't stop yourself bleeding. So you just, if you can't get the products to to deal with that, then 
uh, you just can't go out in public. And so this idea of period poverty, there was a very funny point about it where uh, a, there was a woman talking to her local politician in England uh, and she said to him, you know, well, what about period poverty? And he went, oh, okay, yeah. But hasn't that all been sorted? Meaning, historically, <laughs> period poverty of the past, of being like like a period drama, like something of history, historical oh, yeah. historical poverty of Middle Ages, or whatever time he was thinking of. Downton Abbey, like. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have electricity, you're grand. What's We're grand. So... Have- no qualifications now it's all good <laughs> so it's all oh it's, yeah. it's funny oh you've just sent me that image of the dodge the dodge la femme dodge la femme the first car with a gender oh i mean just gas yeah. but but yeah so i think what's it's it's mad oh but it got you know if it had a decent engine it do, it looks quite nice actually as in it looks like a lot of cars of the time that would have been driven by anyone. Do you know? Like, oh, so to be clear, like it was a styling pack, right? So it's just yeah. Dodge. Yeah. So, so anybody like, if you remember, if you're listening to this and you remember, um, what's the Back to the Future, right? The Delorean. cars that bullies drove in Back to the Future. That's Dodge. Oh yeah. Right. So like those those cars, like a classic, like the fins at the back and all this. But they're they're cool looking cars, but they're massive and they're super super heavy. Right. Yeah. They're very heavy, um, and uh, like yeah. So, but anyway, so this is a styling pack. But it was it was it was it was, it was hilarious. Um, you know, it's kind of shiny pink. I actually think honestly that they, they do look lovely. Um, yeah. Well, they it, do look uh, lovely. It kind of um, just looks like a classic car, you know. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll try to get we'll get it included in the show notes, or else we'll tweet mm-hmm. it. But um, yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's what what all these things are like. I suppose if we take a step back, you know, zoom out and look, it's like, well, what does it tell us about society? Where if something is to be marketed in a way to make money, or like, you know. If we can make women can't do without feminine hygiene products, so let's put a luxury tax on it, um, yeah. and let's make money off that. Women might die in car accidents are not are are more likely to because of seatbelts. Well, there's no real money to be marketed around that, so maybe that's. I'm not saying like I I love to get away from this idea of them or some big plan. I don't think it the kind of ruling set of ideas have a plan i think it's more about ignorance i think it's more about priorities i think it's more about this doesn't matter this doesn't come under uh the this this doesn't matter to the bottom line therefore it doesn't get prioritized i i I wouldn't i wouldn't go that far i i i think it's not even that it doesn't matter to the bottom line right i I really don't because you know fundamentally seatbelt designers don't want people to die right it's not that i think i think the re i think it's not the profit motive it's that it's never considered. Yeah. So so it's not. I think you 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 had it right the first time where you go like it's it's it's, it's literal ignorance. Mm. Who don't have to have periods, not thinking about them. Yeah. Uh, people who don't have to have maternity leave, not really thinking about them. Right. And 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 it is interesting when you have rules that are made by one group of people. Like like for example, I'm sure I'm sure I have no evidence of this, but I have I have no doubt. That if it was the case that 100% of the cars were designed only by women, I'm sure there were lots of things that wouldn't suit men that wouldn't be included. 
right? And it's just not because it's just not because there's any badness. It's just because it doesn't doesn't occur, and that's why that's why you need diversity. Not because it's nice to have or it looks good or it's woke or whatever. It's just literally better to have more diversity of thought because then you're like, well, maybe we should make different people. Now, the interesting thing about that is, imagine a world where the seatbelts were customized by gender. Mm -hmm. In that world, right? In that world, you literally have male seats and female seats. Yeah. Right. So, how do you, like like do you you would have to fit them differently? Like you would literally have to buy the car and go this night. I'm mad. So they would go okay, fine, and they would give you male seatbelts. I mean, maybe there's a maybe there's a middle ground or something that's that's better. I think you know. it's more about just it's making an engineering the thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's engineering. I don't think I think it's probably a setting thing. I I, I don't yeah. I don't think it is yeah. going it's quite like to that extreme. It's very like a button, and you just change yeah. the angle of the thing or change the material. It's an engineering problem, but they can fix it. it it's fixable, yeah. and the and the fallout yeah. like the fallout is is much. I suppose the payoff is much higher than the awkwardness. Do you know what I mean? Like the oh, yeah. and, and I would I would actually challenge you slightly. I do think just because of the world we live in, because of the programming of, of women and the way we're brought up. And I think if if women who were raised in current society were were designing cars, I do think men would be considered because we are taught to consider men. That is that is programmed into us. As women, we always think about men. We always think about, we're always, there's always an inclusivity or a thought. I'm sorry, always is a, a, touch, a tough word. But it is programmed more into girls and women to consider the needs of men, to think about them, to always have them in your consideration than it is the other way around. I'm not, like, I'm not being glib about that. That's not a craziest assertion. I can't tell you how many rooms I've been in where some kind of, uh, a, a, a room full of women talking about feminist issues. And the big thing is, but what, how can we include men? How can we get men into this? You know, that is so common. Mm. And I... Now, I've never been in a room of men because I couldn't be, because if I was there, it wouldn't be a room of men. But I don't feel that is necessary. You could sneak well, in. You could, hmm? sneak in. You could be like, get your disguise on. <laughs> but, women in here. But no, even. No, no, no. No, no, no. Wear a beard like the. Wear a beard, yeah. Like the. Like Life of Brian. Life of Brian. But I mean, I mean, like I know from our own chats, you know, you yeah. you talking about being in rooms where certain things just have didn't come up because uh -huh. they just you don't know, come up. Whereas yeah. I do think I can't say this with from any experience or for any actuality. As I said, my anecdotal experience of life, if I even even when I'm doing drama with little boys, is like, well, what can we do that the little boys will like? What will we, you know? That's always the boys are always considered as well as the girls. Yeah. It's, it's just the way we're programmed because we 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 have to you know okay. um, that's fair enough um yeah but and there and this is the and i do think this is a problem where uh there's a book i've yet to read <laughs> i have it at home <laughs> um and it's actually around um it's 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 around health and uh 
be I want to read it because it's around actually dementia because it is in my family and also things present differently in men and women and this is an ongoing thing and there's a term called um I I might I'm I'm going to get this term wrong because I don't have the book at hand but it's something like um bikini science or something like that where you go well a woman and a man like like a woman is a man it's the same as a man but just with different um yeah, this Parts is the definite the theory, right? So, so the, yes. so the definite theory is you, 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 or the bikini theory. Bikini tr- theory. So, so, so uh, the way to think about this is ergonomics, the design of space or buildings. Yeah. And so, a woman is basically ninety percent of a man. Yeah. In terms of volume, yeah. they're just smaller. So, you know, you don't need to consider them. They're not. They don't need a larger space. Right. Um, and this actually weirdly, not to go like all scatological, but where it comes up most is waiting times in toilets. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it came up, it, it's actually come up recently in um, gender neutral toilets. Right. So it just turns out that when you, <laughs> I mean, the irony, it's not ironic. It's not ironic. It's one of these like, oh my God, kind of things where you're like, when you make toilets gender neutral, that means men can use women's toilets, mm-hmm. which means, you know, women wait longer, right? So in order to change the, yeah, because because now the demand for the women's toilets is larger because men men are quicker, right? But there are, <laughs> men are quicker, but they go more. Oh, so, okay. So it turns out, it turns out, it's, it's a really interesting study. It turns out that when you, uh, when you make uh, uh, um, these, um, when you make these, uh, I will find the statistic for you now, uh, the things that you learn, God, things that you learn <laughs> in, in, in my job, um, it's actually kind of fantastic, yeah. you know, um, um, to, to, to be honest. Um, um, so if you had an equal number of stalls, okay, so like, ten, like four stalls in, in a women's restroom and uh, four stalls in a men's restroom, it does not lead to equity and outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because women's average wait time is six times longer than men's, right? So the ma- the aspect of urban design there, or not urban design, but um, uh, ergonomics, building design. Okay, mm-hmm. it is so. So you need, if you think about it, you need three times the toilet space in order mm-hmm. to equalize. Well, the minute you make toilets gender neutral, right, you actually make things worse. Yeah, unless you massively increase the stock of toilets, which of course. You are definitely not doing because in order to do that, you know, like nobody's nobody's gonna be like, oh my god, right? What we're gonna do is we're gonna change the uh, we're gonna change the space. Yeah, they're not. They're just going. We're just gonna stick a nice new label on the door, high five each other about how we are, and just leave, right? And 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 that ex- you know, it's it's one of the um, it's a classic case of what's called the law of unintended consequences. Which okay. is whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter what you want to do. If you think one plus one equals two in the real world, you're wrong. Right, because something else is going to happen, and it'll end up being two point one. It's always the case. You think you've got a good handle on the world, yeah. and then it just goes, nah. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I have to say, see, I can't tell you the amount of times I have been queuing somewhere for the ladies, and I see men walking in and out of the men's, and I look left, I look right, and I go, I don't care if they don't, and I. <laughs> <laughs> racing yeah, and yeah. out of the racing yeah. and out of the men's and uh like i mean uh, there's kind of this 
yeah. fun. Uh, or, or I see other uh, women do it because it's like uh, like there's no one queuing for the men's. And yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, if it's only urinals, I'm not going to go in there. But if there's a if there's a queue, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I suppose that would, that would elicit a different comment. I, I think I think the reality is. Mm. Most men don't care. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The urinals is a different thing, Adam. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a different thing. I, I would, <laughs> I, but I would, I, I would care, Stephen. I would care. No, you would care. I would the care. Just with see, see, I'm considering you. You're not considering me in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> point, point proven. Um, but I. And I think this, sorry, this is going back to what we were saying earlier about this idea of the bikini theory of, well, women are just other versions of men, or this, sometimes things get conflated that are just not the same. Um, like, obviously, I know you might look at me shocked, like, what are you talking about? But if you spend any time online, you see all sorts of horrendous stuff are, uh, are, are the kind of abuse often that women are on the other end of online. And sometimes when people at the time when people were talking for equity or, or sorry about something being done about getting rid of the luxury tax on feminine hygiene products yeah, yeah. and what we've got to now we've got to a great place an amazing place where there's actual free products in toilets a lot of the time our schools are stocking them universities are doing this you know mm -hmm. to try and counteract the the reality for for women and and, and girls who can't afford uh, yeah. even even without with the luxury tax gone um and you know and then people what about ring like well condoms and you're like you know literally it is possible it is possible for a, a young man or an older man to go through life without using a condom if you know like it's not they're free too by the way on the campus What's that? they're free too by the way on the campus in you yeah yeah and uh, they were free a long time before feminine right <laughs> you can just get a bag of them if you feel like it you do you know, know? but they're uh, being conflated and you're like well no condoms like they're not they are not the same thing and it is ludicrous they're, it is ludicrous to conflate them they're, because they're not the same thing. <laughs> they, yeah but unfortunately they get thrown out in this in this uh like not all the time i'm just saying i come across this b times and to yeah, me it's the same thing as the the bikini theory it's the same thing as comparing like with not like and using yeah, it to go um, so yeah. Uh, and as you said, yes, they're free, as they should be, of course. But they're also, you know, they're not the same necessity <laughs> and as uh, as as um, as feminine hygiene products. But um, I think something else that's quite interesting, as I said, I have my an anecdotal experience, oftentimes, as opposed to um, what you call it, uh, <laughs> researched, <laughs> proven theories like yourself. Um, and this was, I, we were talking about this before we came on around um, menopause and a, a friend of mine just trying to get, was kind of, we were working together and she was on her phone and she came back and she was just fuming because she was trying to book an appointment to get HRT, just get it, she said, I can't sleep, I haven't slept all, I haven't slept, I haven't slept all week, I just need to be getting the yeah. stuff so to yeah. balance things out. Mm -hmm. And my doctor's telling me that I have to make an appointment to have a consultation about this medicine to go through how to use it even though i have already done that with them but now they're and they're going to double charge me for it yeah. and that just seemed like another part of the same symphony of 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 what we're talking about of uh, layering this stuff up of, of getting more money out of people 
who have to, who have no choice, who need the stuff, yeah. you know. Yes. Um, yeah. And you said you had some thoughts on that. Yeah. So, so there's there's a there's a documented uh, problem in um, in um, drug taking and drug. Um, and I don't mean like illegal drug. I mean like any any kind of drug taking. Mm. The problem is um, it's called drug compliance, and the problem is when you your doctor and your pharmacist and you're saying take this twice a day or take this three times a day or whatever the person actually might not hear what you think they're hearing mm-hmm. and they might go home and forget half of it or something i'm not saying this has happened to your friend at all no. you know just, just but it's very very common and it turned out it, it actually turned out weirdly in in dementia cases in the in the 90s in the uk that um, loads of people were just only taking the red ones like because they didn't like the blue ones, like it was that kind of thing, mm. um, and so they brought this. Um, it actually it was it was, a, it was a, it's a big trend in medical education. Who um, so they, they, what they do is they literally say the same thing about four times to people mm-hmm. because they reckon that's how long it takes. Now, maybe, now I'm not saying this is proof your friend. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's what and, and what's happened is it, it's built then into a protocol, which mm. says you have to do this, right? So the doctor have to go through this protocol. And they have to go, do you understand? You have to take the red one. And people are going, yeah, it's fucking no, yeah, come on. I know mm-hmm. you. But actually, the thing about, like, like, I don't believe that intelligence is normally distributed, right? But there is a certain bell curve out there. It's a certain curve, right? Mm-hmm. And if you believe that there is such a thing as average intelligence, right, whatever that average is and wherever it is, 50% of the population are below that. And as a doctor, you don't get to choose. Mm. Comes at you. Right? So you actually have to go through this with everyone. Sure. And, yeah, and so so that compliance thing, it, it is there. Now, now, was that whole process, was the HRT process designed by men? Maybe. <laughs> right? Um, there has been, it's very interesting, um, there has been a real awakening in Ireland about menopause. Mm. Um, and it's come about via uh, a confluence of factors, one of which is the Joe Duffy show. So okay. Joe Duffy did a week, a week of listening to people's stories about menopause. And, um, you know, uh, I will uh, freely admit that I had absolutely no knowledge about this. I mean, I knew it happened, but that's about it. I, 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 if I would probably be able to give you before this, I would have been able to give you two sentences about it. And um, uh, my wife, who's wise in all things, said, you need to listen to the Joe Duffy show. And I was like, really? I'm not listening to people who went, I'm just got the boy a jaw. It was Jay's fleeting terrible. The dog did the business on the street and there's nothing Joe that can have. You know, it's all this whinging. Mm-hmm. No, it was not. It was Some of it was really uplifting. A lot of it was harrowing. You know, a lot of it was like, I felt so alone. I didn't know what was going on. The doctors didn't understand. So it turned out, right, that it turned out that in the in medical education, it was just something that was relegated. And then it became elective. And then people didn't take it. And then the doctor, you, your, your average GP just never was taught this stuff. Mm. Right? And they were just like, oh, yeah. You were, and then there was like a guideline because there was a dodgy study in the 90s that was like, oh, so you can't take HRT because it's bad for you, blah, 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 blah. Right? All this kind of stuff. Very, very interesting. Like the history of medical education, the history of what it's done to women, the history of what it's done for women. Fascinating subject. Anyway, um, uh, uh, as it happens, as it happens, one of my very good friends uh, is a doctor. He's he's one of the best doctors I know. He's absolutely fantastic. 
um, and he is uh, uh, an expert uh, in di diagnosis treatment of uh, menopause. He is he's fantastic. His name is Dr. Brian Kennedy, and uh, he was honored recently as the master of the menopause, which is a <laughs> random thing to say, but it was by other uh, women and his patients and other doctors. Um, <laughs> so uh, Dr. Kennedy is one of the most progressive doctors I know, and he's really, really brilliant guy. He's a he's a real advocate for uh, women's health, um, um, and particularly this 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 subject. But and he he's he's been teaching me a lot as well. Um, but again, he's had to teach me because no one taught me anything about it. Not that you need to teach an economist about this stuff, but it'd be helpful to have a general background in it, that you would know something about it. Well, that's uh, very important. Joe Duffy, for the win. It was, no, no, it was incredible. Like, I could have listened to it for four hours. I love hearing people's stories, even the harrowing ones, because it's hmm. real. Everyone's story is real to them, like, you know? And as I, they're telling it, you get a sense of their world, and it's like, oh my God, this is, it was, it was such a, I hate using this word, but it really genuinely was a privilege to hear these stories, as hard as they were. And then I kind of went on a, you know, a deep dive to learn more, because that's how I roll. And um, you know what's really interesting? Um, and I would have loved to have done an episode of this podcast all about the economics of the menopause. Well, let's, let's do it. You can't? can't. Why? You know, okay. There's no research on it. Wow. I wasn't able to find any anyway. Yeah. And, and without picking myself up too much, I'd be pretty good at finding stuff. Yeah. If there was out, if there was good research out there, I would have found it. There's some crap out there in fairness, which is like, mm. bad. here's a number. It's a billion, Julian, William. It's like, no, come on. There's a, there's a, there's a serious piece of economic analysis to be done here about the, the impact of this on people's lives, on the economy, on, on, you know, on, on, on things like, um, you know, HRP is not really, you know, sorry, not HRP, but the menopause. It's not really something you get to choose. Right? Well, that's it. Any, yeah, yeah. Any, if you're a woman who gets to live, you know, lucky to live past a certain age, it's inevitable. Uh, yeah. Like all these things. I think anything that increases our empathy uh, for each other, which is knowledge, you know, uh, is healthy. Like, actually, my mom was great. She, <laughs> she live commentated her entire menopause. We all knew exactly what was going on all the time, which was great, though. Fair play to her. She was like, no, you're all going to know about this. My head is buzzing, my this, my that. Um, and I, I'm grateful. Eyes wide open. And so are my brothers. So, you know, they're, they're well, they're well prepared. Stephen, uh, it is fantastic uh, to catch up with her. There's more, maybe more episodes in this uh, in this uh, subject, definitely. But um, until next time, have have a lovely March, uh, April, and who knows, we might get to that Eurovision yet. We will, we will, and it's always lovely talking to you. Absolutely, bye bye, bye. Okay, I'm so sorry, I lost a slide. You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Eric Fitzgerald. Theme tune is performed and composed by David Blake. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. You can now follow the show on Twitter at Anne Steve Talk. Get Stephen at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne at Anne Blake 78. That's an Anne without an E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post.